Coffee with Colby, episode 22. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Colby, the show that's all about helping you put your best foot forward on your professional path. In the time it takes to enjoy just one cup of coffee, we're going to cover the challenges that crop up in the workplace and how to balance your career and your personal life. This is all the stuff you need to know that they didn't teach you in school. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm Colby Reed, and this is my show. Today's show, we're going to talk about job offers and negotiation. Now, it is very, very rare to get a job offer and not be super excited. Occasionally, you may get an offer from a company and you aren't really excited to go work from them, or maybe you're more excited about an opportunity on the horizon, or maybe the number they've proposed is way below what you were expecting, but Typically, even if you aren't interested in that opportunity, when a job offer comes to you, odds are you've been actively looking for something. And even if you haven't, and even if you haven't even shown interest in that company, if if you haven't done any of those things, just having somebody say, hey, we are so interested in your skills and what you bring to the table. We are willing to pay you this much money to leave your current employer and come work for us. It's flattering. The problem is too often that initial excitement can cloud out your better judgment when it comes to whether or not you accept and whether or not you accept that specific offer. Think about it. Odds are you've been looking for a while. At least a few places have declined to make you an offer. You're starting to question when you're actually going to either get a job or be able to change jobs. Now, a company that presumably you want to work for, presumably in a role that you want to have, has come to you and said, yes, join us, come to our team, we will pay you money to do work for us. They are offering to bring you on board. Why wouldn't you jump at that? Well, because as you may have heard, job offers should always be treated as a negotiation. And in almost every case, the company that's hiring you wants to bring you on board, but they want to bring you on board at the lowest possible rate. Your salary is not just this one-time expense, and every raise that you get moving forward will have to be based off of this number. Benefits like life insurance can be based off this number. Other benefits that you might get can be based off of your salary. So let's say that you get hired at $50,000 instead of $55,000. Then next year, instead of it being, you know, a uh, 2% raise on $50,000, it's a 2% raise on $55,000, and so on and so forth. On the flip side of things, job hunters can be really reluctant to push back on an initial offer because you know there were probably several candidates. You, again, are really desperate for something, or you're really anxious, at least, to get out of the job hunting cycle. You don't want to risk this company remind, uh, uh, rescinding their offer and then going on with their second choice. And even if not that, you don't really want people thinking that you're rude or that you're too pushy, right? I mean, that can feel really crummy. But do you know what's even crummier than feeling too pushy? When you get two months into your job and realize that you sold yourself short and you have lost out on, a, on, on earning potential. Let me give you an example of exactly what I'm talking about. At one point in my career, I was working for a company and I had a very low level job. It was entry level, it was kind of a utility player, kind of doing everything, filling in when other people were sick. I don't usually like to talk specific numbers on this show because I think it's rude, but in this case, I think it's relevant and it was far enough in my past, I'm I'm okay talking about it. At the time, I was making $36,000 a year. Now, a promotion opened up 
for a role that I had always dreamed of. And at the time, I, I didn't think it was ever going to be something I was going to have the opportunity to do because I presumed the person there was going to stay there forever. But freak coincidence, that person leaves. I had gotten in front of the right person at the right time, and they offered the job to me, but it was a job that needed to be filled right away. And so it was offered in a very, very hurried manner. And I jumped at it. I didn't push for details. I just assumed that I was going to be taking on this role as that role, uh, as that role wasn't. And the fact was our company had posted that job about two or three years prior. And in that posting, I saw that it paid about $50,000 a year. I assumed rookie mistake, that by me taking on this role, my compensation would be adjusted accordingly. But after it was announced and I'm adjusting and I'm starting to train, I have my conversation with the boss. I'm like, hey, by the way, this does come with a pay increase, right? And he said, well, not now because we're so late in the year, um, but we can discuss it at your review in the new year. And that was only a few months left to go. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to prove myself. I'm kind of young for this position. I can earn this. I can do this. We get to the new year. I finally have my annual review. At that point, well, the budget's really tight. It was still during the recession. He would work with me to see what he could do next year, but this year, everything is as it is. So at this point, I start to get creative because I know that I'm worth more than, than $36,000 a year and I'm doing a job worth more than, than $36,000 a year. But also I know that it's a kind of a specialized job and I know there aren't going to be a whole lot of other opportunities to do that specific job somewhere else, um, particularly if I wanted to stay in the city of Portland. So I start to find ways where I can take on other responsibilities that would save the company money. And then when I total all that up, they could transfer that over to my compensation and it would make up the difference. So by me doing this extra job and this extra job and this extra job, they can save money and I can then, uh, and it totals up to, you know, about an additional $50,000, a year, not 50, an additional $10,000 a year that they can move over to my paycheck. Verbally, my boss says, yeah, that's great, but I never got a commitment in writing. Again, lesson learned. My father would be very disappointed. Sure enough, I end up taking on the extra work, but mm, they're not able to give me the raise. My, my annual evaluation comes up again. So now I've been doing this job for over a year at substantially less than what it should pay. And I bring up the issue again. And at this point, I'm kind of jaded. I've seen how the company works. I work with really great people and, and the management there, the, the people behind management were great, but just the structure and the organization and the bureaucracy just wasn't. So I bring the issue up again, and unfortunately, they say still no raise. And at this point, I'm pointing out the discrepancy between my compensation, colleagues in the same roles I had documented at this point. I had documented um, you know, that this job had been offered previously at a higher rate. And even though I've got all this documentation, they're pointing to the recession and say, not only is there no raise this year, but future raises are not going to be to that level. In fact, it's maybe going to be just a few thousand dollars more per year. I would be lucky if I got to $40,000 at the end of the following year. This is going to end up taking me four to five years to reach the compensation that this job should be starting at. I think I kind of mentioned this, but it gets even worse for me because at that point I had documentation that colleagues were doing the exact same job 
with the exact same skill set and we're making more than $50,000 a year. So I'm literally making less than 60% of my counterparts all because of quote unquote the economy. This story gets even worse. Going into my annual review that year, I knew that I was done. I knew that they weren't going to be compensating me the way that they should. I knew that they weren't going to take care of me. And so I'd started looking for work. And, and fortunately, I'd found a new opportunity after a couple months and was able to move on. So a few months after this, I find my new job and I give my notice. And the next day, the very next day, my boss comes over to my desk, waves me into his office and presents me with a counteroffer to keep me uh, in my role. That counteroffer starts at $50,000 a year, includes a $5,000 increase guaranteed for the next two years, plus potential for bonuses. This was not a case of budget. This was a company that thought that they could keep me because they believed I didn't have options. Honestly, it was a really crummy thing to do on their part. Um, I, again, I don't fault any one individual there. Um, the people that I worked with, I am still very good friends with. I understand that there was a, it was a bureaucratic decision. And occasionally in business, you find yourselves where you're stuck pushing a bureaucratic decision you may or may not agree with. And you know, that's unfortunate, but it also underscores that my decision was right. I mean, this was a company that could have taken care of me. I believe the year that at the point when I took on that job, they were more interested in saving funds and that's their prerogative. And I moved on to other things and they moved on to other things and everybody's happy now, but it also underscores the importance of negotiating very carefully with employers moving forward. As soon as you sign that offer letter, you're done. Before you sign that offer letter, you have at least some leverage in the conversation. But how do we actually go about doing this? How do we negotiate our compensation, especially if we're not super in demand, a high-level executive with specialized skills? I mean, it's one thing if you're a CEO running a company or, you know, an engineer, you know, that's being recruited by Google. But what if you're somebody who's graduating from college and you're trying to get an entry-level position and there's 20 people competing for it? How do we make sure that the package we are agreeing to, the compensation agreement we're, we're agreeing to, is the best possible version without at the same time looking like we're greedy and turning off our employer in the process? There are really three basic steps that you need to follow. Um, the first and most important is to really research beforehand what your role should pay. And have that information in the front of your mind because there's going to be an opportunity at some point in the conversation to bring up that number. Uh, sometimes employers will advertise the pay range. Um, sometimes it's you know a band of you know you know forty five to fifty five thousand dollars a year. Sometimes it's much bigger. Um, what you need to do in these cases is you have to assume that your offer is going to be the absolute lowest number that they are showing you the total pay range for this job. And that the idea is that once you get in this job, you will start at, you know, if it's, you know, forty-five to $55,000, you will start at $45,000 and you will eventually work your way up to $55,000. If they don't share the salary, which is incredibly common, if you've done any kind of job search, you've seen plenty of posts that say salary, depending on experience, which by the way, sidebar, I hate because it has nothing to do with your experience. Um, the company has a budget, the company has a number, they just don't want to give it to you. Um, 
if that if that's the case, then what you need to do is go on sites like Glassdoor and Indeed. LinkedIn has a little bit of this information as well, and research pay ranges for your role and use that to help set your target. In fact, you can even talk to some of your colleagues and just be like, hey, I'm coming in, you know, I'm looking at an account coordinator position or I'm looking at a project coordinator position. Theoretically, what should this pay? People in the industry will be able to give you some sort of ballpark. And when you walk into the interview process, there will be an opportunity. Some people like to say at the very beginning in their cover letter, I'm looking for a role with this, this opportunity and these skills and this salary range. Sometimes the employer will ask for your salary range or your, 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 your salary requirements early on, in which case you can put that number out there. This is a great thing to do because especially if you can give it verbally, if you can say like, you know, I, I, the market rate for this position based on my research is $50,000, but depending on the, you know, that's, that's where I'm aiming, depending on the offer It gives you a little bit of, bit of wiggle room in case they want to come in at like 47 but it also makes it really easy if they come back for, with a job that's $35,000, you can say, I- I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. Um, I actually went through that with a job that was, it was perfect for me. It was for a, an, an arts organization. Um, it, I met them. We ha- had great chemistry. It was wonderful. We got two or three interviews in and I told them, you know, I'm looking, I'm currently making, at the time I was making, I think around, you know, $65,000 a year. I said, I'm, I'm looking to make 65 or above and their salary package capped out at 50. And we got, I think we did one more interview and they said, do you have any flexibility? And I said, unfortunately I don't. It's like, I'm, this is what I need to be making. This is what my skills dictate. This is what I can get on the market. And, you know, unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to, to work for them, but it, it, it takes a lot of this thing out. If you're up front in just a non-confrontational, non-demanding way, this is what I, this is what the market suggests. This is my understanding of the position. This is what I think is fair. Um, it, it, it puts you in a much more powerful, upfront, cordial position. Um, there are going to be some employers, and you've probably heard this, who are going to ask for your salary history. Do not, do not, do not give them this. It is completely irrelevant. Um, what your current employer is paying you is none of their business. Um, there are actually some states that have made it illegal for companies to ask that question. Um, if they ask, then what you say is my salary target is based, uh, is X based on, uh, re- on research and based on my understanding of the position. I have to also underscore here what, what's reasonable. Um, you're, you're, you're not throwing out, you know, I had an instance where someone came in expecting to make, you know, was fresh out of college in a role that starts usually around $33,000, $34,000 and wanted fifty-five. dollars That's not reasonable. You're not going to find somebody who's willing to pay that. Think about, you know, your skills, your experience, and realize also if you're just coming out of school or if you're really young in your career, you're, the first decade of your career is when you see the most rapid growth. You're going to go from, you know, potentially you know, low five figures to, you know, six figures in a 10 year period, uh, potentially. So make sure that you come in with a reasonable figure. Um, also this gives you ammo. If they come in a little low on the, on the offer, let's say you get to the offer stage and you've said, I need to, I need to make 50 and they come in and say, well, we're going to offer you 45. Um, you can go back to that conversation and say, you know, really based on industry data, I really was looking for something that's closer to, you know, to 50. Do we have some, 
some wiggle room here. It gives you an opportunity to push back and politely open the negotiation. Um, it also gives you a chance to see kind of what their situation is. Some companies are going to say, no, this is what I've got. And there are some that uh, are going to say, well, maybe we could do this or maybe we could do that. Um, Either way, it also forces you to go to our second tip, which is look at the entire package. People fixate on salary. People fixate on the dollar amount they're making, which makes sense. But there are so many other things that come in terms of compensation. How much vacation time are they going to offer you? Do they have a 401k? And if so, do they have a match? Do they have a flexible schedule? Um, do they have free food? You know, are there? The, the, you need to look at the entirety of what you are being offered. Another example from my own past, um, from my early days of radio. When I graduated college, I had multiple job offers. In one instance, I had a company that was willing to pay me twenty-five dollars an hour to start. Um, I had another company that was offering me $10 an hour. Now, the difference was the company that was $25 an hour, there was a finite number of shifts and finite number of hours I was going to be able to get, and there was no upward mobility for quite some time. I was going to be in this kind of part-time box for a long time. The other station said, we can't pay you as much, but we're going to put you on as many shifts as possible, and as soon as something full-time opens up, we're going to slot you in. Um, as a young kid that was trying to break into the field, I really valued that opportunity to grow and try new things. So as a result, I had way more upward mobility than I would have at the first station. Um, some companies may offer salary that's a few thousand dollars less per year, but they might have a really flexible schedule or a great healthcare reimbursement package or a better 401k match. Or uh, a lot of companies now are offering extra vacation time. Um, a, a lot of companies that I've talked to Say, so, you know, when we can't do anything with salary, our starting vacation package is two weeks, but we'll throw in a third week or even a fourth week um, to get the right, uh, the right person. Um, and if the salary number is lower and they aren't flexible there, you can also proactively ask about those things and say, hey, once I get settled, is it okay if I work from home one day a week? Um, is it possible to discuss perhaps some, some additional vacation time? I really want to be part of this team. Make that clear. Be positive. I want to be on this team the salary is a little low. How can we, how can we meet in the middle? And if they come out and say, you know what, this is the absolute best we can do. We want you here, but we, this is the best we can do. You're still in a position to be able to say politely, okay, I appreciate you having the conversation. I can do this and I'm on board. Um, and the third and final tip, which I hope is self-explanatory, but I don't think is don't be stupid. Seriously, don't be stupid. And I mean this in two ways. In one sense, I mean you have to approach this negotiation and discussion in a straightforward, kind, upfront, honest place, a place where you are looking for mutual benefit. They want you to come work for them. You want to go work for them. You're just trying to find a place where you can meet in the middle. If you come in guns blazing, demanding more money, acting like you're, you know, your stuff doesn't stink that's going to be a real turnoff. And even if they end up hiring you, you're going to come in with a bad taste in, in their mouth. And, and that's not something that you want to do. At the same time, you don't want to set those expectations too high either. Again, I had this, this young professional who, um, when she graduated, we offered her at, at my organ, at the organization I was working with, um, we offered her a full-time salary position. Um, because of the way that Oregon law works and our organization was structured, employees that came in as an entry level employee were considered hourly because until you reached a certain, a certain annual salary level, 
the you know the hours worked it wasn't it, it didn't come out to minimum wage or something and so you had to be eligible for overtime which meant actually higher pay so she came in she was full-time we were guaranteeing her 40 hours a week she had benefits she was a full-time employee but she was gonna have to do a time card and, and was hourly and that really hung her up and she actually turned the job down at first because she wanted a, a salary position and so I I, luckily, I knew I knew her. I mean, we weren't great friends, but we'd had a couple conversations. I picked up the phone and I called her and I said, hey, um, what's going on? And, and she told me that she had been told she needed to find a full-time position. I'm like, that's what this is. You're not going to find a full-time position, full-time salaried position at pretty much any other agency in town. Because, they're all going to be structured hourly because that's the law. Interestingly enough, when she thought it over, uh, she had one more conversation with us, changed her mind, came on board, was thrilled to join the company, and was a great performer from then on. But if we hadn't had that conversation, she would have lost out on that incredible opportunity. And I have no idea how many other jobs she would have missed out on because she would have come from that place of, I want to have a full-time salaried position. But above all else, make sure that you remember you don't have to take what they offer. Um, this is not about, you know, there's you're going to get one job offer in your entire search and that's gonna be it. This is as much about you being the right fit for them as them being the right fit for you. You have to be prepared if it's not the right fit. It's gonna feel painful, especially if you've been looking for a while, especially if you, you know, if if you if you've been turned down a couple of times, when someone finally puts a piece of paper in front of you, if it's not the right number, if it's not the right setup, and your gut says this isn't the right fit, turning them down, it's hard, but you gotta do that because the right company is going to be around the corner. And that is it for episode 22 of Coffee with Colby, episode 23 coming at you right before you know it. As always, I'm Colby Reed, and we'll talk next time.